0: Pastor Paul, uh, thanks for the opportunity. He approached me not too long ago and said, "Would you want to do that?" And you know, a long time ago, I promised God that if anyone ever asked me to talk about Christ, I would never turn that down. And so I'm here today. And so I have prepared a, a talk. I pray that this was given to me from the Lord, and, and I trust that when I do when I do a talk, when I write something out. It's personal to me. It's really the only way I can preach. It has to be important to me. It has to be personal to me so that I can share it the right way. So this is for me, more so than anybody in here. When I'm preaching this message today, I'm preaching it to myself. So I just want you to know that. I need to hear this more than any of you, I'm sure. But I pray the Lord has something for you in it today. what better place to start? You know, when you're working on a, on a message, you got to figure out where you're going to start at. So I figured, why not start with, we are a growing family after God's heart. I mean, this is, he's my pastor. I take the lead from him. We are a growing family after God's heart. And that's an awesome statement, isn't it? Now you think about it, there's so much in that little statement. I love it. It's positive, it's encouraging, it's hope-filled. But here's, here's, Here's the difficult part of it for me. There's a word in there that's an action word. What is it? Growing. That's an action word. That means there's something happening here. Growing is an action word. Here's what I need you to do. If you can, grab a Bible. If you have a Bible, if not, there's going to be slides, but I like to have a Bible if you have your phone or iPad, whatever it is. Go to John 21, 1 through 3. We're going to read that because I want to talk about what growing means for our Jerusalem right here in Elk River. Growing doesn't mean we expand our families. I mean, you know, having babies is one way to grow our family here, I guess. But that's not what it's talking about here in our statement. It means something else. It means action. It means we have something to do. So we're going to dive into that. If you could, John 21, 1 through 3. Jesus, empty me of myself right now. Fill me with your spirit. Let these words be your words. Let them hear what you want them to hear, not what I have to say. I pray this in your name, amen. All right, so my talk was two hours. Pastor Paul said trim 15 minutes off at least, so I already feel crunched for time. So we're not playing games here this morning. Let's get busy. All right, after this, now... Afterward, Jesus appeared. My notes say something different, but that's okay. I'll read off of here. Afterwards, and what this means is Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He appeared to the disciples once. Thomas wasn't there, so he came back about eight days later. And now this. So afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Peter said, I'm going out to fish. Now right there, if you stopped, you'd be like, yes, Peter, you get it. Because if you remember when Jesus found Peter, what was he doing? He was fishing. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? Anyone, you can talk to me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. So right here, Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And you go, Yes. Simon Peter told them. And they said, We'll go with you. I feel like they all get it. So they went out and got into a boat. And that night, they caught nothing. Now, what happened here? The disciples watched Jesus throughout his entire ministry, didn't they? Didn't they see how to love people and care for people that are far from God? Didn't they have this burning passion to be like Christ? And they see all Christ cared about was people that were far from God. What happened? Because they go out after so much time and get in a boat to go fishing for fish. Not that fishing for fish is a bad thing, right, Pastor Paul? I mean... That's where you were last week. I mean, wish I was there fishing, but. What happened? Time had passed. And they lost that passion maybe that they once had. And they just decided it's easier just to go catch fish. And so they all got in a boat together and went looking for fish instead of men. And here's what I think. This happens all too often for us Christians, right? We come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, our whole world is turned upside down. And we can't wait to share the good news with somebody else, right? Have you been there? If you've had that burning hot fire within you to share the gospel with somebody after Jesus Christ transformed your life, let me see your hand. What happens to us after time no, it's just easier to do what we're comfortable with, isn't it? It just grows easier to do that, and so it's not intentional. We, we don't mean to do that, but over the course of time, it just gets easier to do what we're comfortable with, and so we fall back into that. I feel like the Lord has put three things on my heart for this talk today. And so I want to share them with you. They're not points, so I didn't make a slide for them. They're just reminders, because we know this stuff already. But the first thing I want to share is this. I want to remind you that you have been commissioned. If you are a Christ follower in here, if you have decided to make him the leader of your life and the forgiver of your sins, and you trust him, you have given your life to him, you're a follower of his, you've been commissioned. You've been commissioned. Matthew 28, 16, and 20. And you you guys know this, but it's going to be up here. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here's one thing I take away from reading that whole thing. Jesus did not give any of those disciples an exemption. Not a one. He didn't say, all of you guys listen." Go and make disciples, but Peter, you're so dumb and hard-headed, you are not going to be able to communicate properly. Stay back. He didn't say that. None of them are exempt. None of them are exempt. We are an Acts 1-8 church. Acts 1-8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. If you are a Christ follower in here, you have been commissioned. You have been commissioned. Now, we don't live in Jerusalem. We live in Elk River. So this is it for us. This is our Jerusalem. People living in Fort Knox, Kentucky, that's their Jerusalem. We're Gateway in Elk River. Our Jerusalem is right here in Elk River. So we have a job to do, Gateway. And I probably shouldn't say job because we have to, most of us, go to a job. Right? Right? But we get to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. That's a blessing. That's not a have to. That's a get to. That is a get to. None of us are exempt. None of us are exempt. I'm not exempt. And you are not exempt. And I've been at church long enough. So I know some of you in here might be thinking... Well, I just don't have that gift. You know, I cannot go out and share the good news and share the gospel and share my faith with somebody. So here's what I do. I just give to missions, and I'm good with that. And here's what I tell you. Thank you, right? Give to missions. Pastor Joel, he has a message about giving, you know, more to missions than he gives to dog food. I love that. This is so true. So I got to either give more or cut back on my DiGiorno pizza orders. One of the two. I'm not going to share which I did. We did something. After that message, I chose one. But you can give to missions. It still doesn't exempt you from your job of going. You're commissioned. You're commissioned. Jesus didn't say, everyone go and make disciples except for Peter. You do such a good job fishing. Why don't you stay back, catch the fish, sell the fish, and go fund everybody else? He didn't say do that. He said go to all of them. I've looked for loopholes. I mean, look at me. I, I, if there's a shortcut, I'll, I'll own it. If there's a way to cut corners, I'm all in on that. I didn't even tuck my shirt in today. I cut corners. <laughs> I've looked, and there are no loopholes here. There just aren't any. And I know some are called to overseas missions, some are called to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But for the overwhelming majority of us, we're called right here to be witnesses in Elk River, our Jerusalem. So we're not exempt. We're all witnesses. This, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. No, it's, that's the best basketball player ever. Um growing up in Ohio, <laughs> we'd go up to Cleveland and watch the games, right? And they had this huge banner. I mean, on a building, it, was, it's, it took the whole building. You can see it from the sky. It is massive. And obviously, it means a little something different for him. But it was a great reminder every time I saw that, that, yeah, you know what? That's my job. I'm called to be a witness here. Now that I live in Elk River, guess what? I'm called to be a witness right here. There's no exemption for me. There is no loophole. If, here's how I know that most of us are called right here. because after church today, what if we all decided we're going to Iraq together? That'd be cool. I mean, I, I, I just missions that go overseas would just blow me away. Take our family over there, and I just I'm in awe. But if we all did that, if we all went to Iraq after church today, who's going to talk to your teachers? Who's going to talk to your students, your neighbors, your coworkers? Who's going to do that here? When's the last time you heard of a missionary coming to Elk River? They don't come here. Why? Because we're here. We—that's our job. We have that job, and I know that just sometimes it can be overwhelming. Like there's so many people. What am I supposed to do? The truth is that most of us in here, and maybe all of us, are never going to preach a message to 3,000 people like Peter did. We just don't have that platform for the first thing. But don't let that be a deterrent for you to reach anybody. Don't be so overwhelmed with all the people that you can reach that you're afraid to reach one. Reach one. Pick one. Who is that for you? You know... I know some of you in here are introverts. And that's great. I mean, God has uniquely wired you like that. That's okay. Not everybody can be outgoing. But you know what? Where did Jesus find Nathaniel? Anybody remember? Where was he? Under a tree by himself. I don't know what he was doing. Playing with ants or something. I mean, he was by himself though. There's a good chance he was introverted. Was he exempted? Listen, I, I, I'm fortunate. I mean, I feel really blessed. I look back on my life, and I think, only God could orchestrate things the way he did for me. I joined the Army after uh, high school. I entered the Army in psychological warfare. They taught me how to read people, how to read emotions, Eventually I could get to a point I'd sit down and in two minutes I could tell you what kind of personality you have. So I knew how to address you. So I knew how to talk to you. Things that I was going to say that were going to repel you or attract you. And then after my military deal, I I joined a company and have been doing sales ever since. I talk to people all the time. Now God didn't put those things in my life. He didn't do that so I would have an awesome sales career. He did that so that I would be comfortable sharing the gospel with people. So that I can read people and go, you know, this technique might work. This one may not, but I know this. I've got to tell them good news. And he put those things in my life. I can't, I can't explain it. He just did, and I'm grateful. But I know we're not all like that. But you don't have to be outgoing. You don't have to be wired a certain way. Listen, your life is a sermon. Let your life tell the sermon. But share it with somebody. Jesus made an impact in your life. How did that happen? What hole did he pull you out of? Tell somebody about that. It's encouraging. People want hope, don't they? We need that today more than ever. So remember that. You are commissioned. Number two, I would remind you that We need to put a high value on people that are far from the Lord. We need to put a high value on people that are far from the Lord. I look at, and this may not be the right way to do this, so please don't hold it against me, but every time I come into contact with somebody, I see that as an opportunity. I don't see them as an opportunity. I see it as an opportunity to share Jesus with them, to share my faith with them. We've had homeless people live in our house. We've had foreign exchange students live in our house. None of it we searched for. We just invited it in. Why? Because I want my kids to see that lost people matter to Jesus. And if they matter to Jesus, then they should matter to us. Our goal, not to give somebody housing. Our goal is to introduce Christ to them. And if they get a house with it, fine. But our first priority has to be our heartbeat for those that are far from Christ. We are not great. You know, my family is not great. But Jesus is. Luke 15, 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, Jesus, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. (laughs) Who wants to be accused like that? I do. Please accuse me of hanging out with sinners. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't want to be around church people only. (laughs) Because I'm not doing anything that way. I mean... Iron sharpens iron, yes, but you got to have a portion in there where you're introducing someone to Christ. That's the Great Commission. My son has this friend, he's an atheist, his, his parents are, just, they don't believe in God, so he doesn't believe in God. And I remember a conversation with my son and at the very beginning, he was just battling about whether he should even be friends with this boy. Yes! Be friends with this boy! Please! Because you're going to be the only hope that kid has, maybe. We have to be diligent about this. Yes. Be his best friend. So he told this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep... If he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins... If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is more joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. These are parables. And Jesus is trying to share with you his heartbeat for children of his that are way off. He's trying to share his heartbeat with you. This is what makes him tick. He came here for those people. Just like he came here for me and you before we found him. There are parables. When we first moved here to Elk River, um, we were playing uh, hide-and-go-seek with my oldest now, Gavin. And he was just a little tiny kid. I mean, just a little thing. And so my wife and I playing hide-and-seek, and all of a sudden, I'm not kidding you, the kid vanished. I mean, he was gone for like five days. No, no, it was a shorter period of time than that. But we tore the house apart. We called him. He didn't answer. We were looking for him in every corner, every tiny cupboard. He was gone. He was not in our house, is what I'm telling you. He was gone. I think, Kirsten, I think you found him. He was, he crawled up on the bed, And he laid behind, you know, those like little, I don't know, decorative pillows you ladies like. I have no idea what they're for. (laughs) Apparently, they're for the hiding children. Because he climbed over them and back there, the pillow fell back against him and he fell asleep. (laughs) And he took a nap. But listen, we tore that house apart looking for him. Why? Because we put a high value on him. He means something to us that's important. And when he's lost, our job is to find him. You know, Jesus made that sheep just like he made the other 99. He made that 100th one too. It holds no less value. In fact, there's a greater value in finding it because it is lost. Do you know what that coin He knew that coin's name before the creation of the earth. He knit that coin together in its mother's womb, just like the other nine. There's no difference, except they don't know who Jesus is and we do. That's the difference. What does it look like then? How does this look to put a high value on somebody? I don't. I, I. really don't like sharing stories like this because I know what the dangers are, but they're not my testimonies anymore anyway. But Pastor Paul asked that I would share a few, and so I will. There was this girl in our office, and uh, she came in, took a job being the office administrator. And it wasn't too long after that, I noticed that her arms, both of them, were so maliciously cut up. I mean, she wasn't just trying to you know, scare somebody. She, she, she tried to do it. And I knew I had to share some hope with her. And it's an office, you got to be careful. But it doesn't mean you can't share your faith with someone. Don't let the world dictate to you what you can and can't say to people. There's ways around that. So I talked to her, and she would come in and ask questions, and I would be able to share little bits and pieces at a time, here, here, here. Till one day she came to church. She heard a message. Don't even remember what it was. But she went home that day, and even before nighttime, she got down, knelt at the side of her bed, and asked Christ to be the leader of her life. And yeah. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, I got to baptize her later, and she is going to get married later this year. They're doing great, and she now has a new life, a new direction, and she's got a young child who's going to know who Jesus is. He's going to know who Jesus is. I have a story about my son, Caden, who has a friend in school. And this kid, you know, was a, he just was one of those kids that didn't have too many friends, you know. I mean, we, we know people like that but he put a high value on this child. His heart went out. And he said, I need to give this kid some kind of hope, right? And so he's talking to him, and he's sharing a couple things. He ends up inviting him to church. And here, the, make a long story short, the kid, he can't drive, right? He's my son's age. Kid's like six at the time. So his parents have to bring him. His parents, who... We were sleeping together, had two children, but weren't married. And they got to hear about how Jesus loves them, how he dies for them, how he rose for them. And they ended up making an agreement that they weren't going to sleep together until they got married. And they ended up getting married. They got baptized. I mean, because my son put a high value on someone that was far from the Lord or who may not even have known who the Lord was, lives have been impacted. That's going. My wife had a friend around the backyard from us. It was a, there's a pond and our houses kind of go around the circle. And She just invested in this, this gal. They weren't church-going people or anything, but she just made it known that she loved her unconditionally. That she was going to be her friend no matter what. And one day, stuff hit the fan for this lady, and she didn't call her mom, she didn't call her dad, she didn't call anyone else, but she walked all the way around that pond and came to the place where she knew there was some hope. And my wife got to sit with her and pray with her and talk to her about things. Isn't that amazing? Just seek that out? When you put a high value on things, on people like that, God's gonna do the work. You just have to do that. Put a high value on people that are far from him. I had a guy, last one, this guy that came into my office one day, and he put a piece of paper down on the desk, and he said, Look, I am fresh out of prison. I am a felon. Um, possession, sales, whatever. But I need a job. And I, just, I really just felt like there's something about this kid, you know? And if I'm not going to give him a chance, who is going to give this kid a chance? He just came out of prison. And so I put this high value mark on him. I'm like, this is going to be a priority for me. And he worked for us for a while, and he spiraled out of control. He fell back into uh, using and things like that, and ended up going to prison. So I took my Bible, and I went to prison, and I talked to him through the glass wall. And I still have the letter that he sent to me just because I put a high value on him. Jesus loves him, just like me. Jesus took time to put him together in his mother's womb, just like he did me. I'm not special. I just happen to know Jesus. I'm fortunate enough that he chased me down and beat me until I gave up. But I know that feeling, and so I put a high mark on people like that, a high value, because I want them to feel how I felt. I want them to know what that feels like. Listen, not all these are going to be home runs. You can go and talk to people. You can share your faith with people. You're not responsible for the hit. You're responsible for pitching the ball over the plate. And if it's a home run, it's a home run. If they strike out, they strike out. If it's a single whatever, that's the Spirit's job. Our job is to pitch them the ball. I know sports analogies drive you guys crazy. Pastor Paul... I tried to mix it up, but I can't. Here's the third thing I want to remind you of, and last. You've got to go get the coin. You've got to go get the sheep. That's action. Like a growing family, there's, there's action in that. We just put a high value on someone and leave it at that? No, we put a high value on them because Jesus puts a high value on them, but Jesus also... Said go. Can you put Luke back up again for me? Luke 15, 1 through 10. I'm not reading the whole thing. But here's where he starts the parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and seek diligently until she finds it? Look look at what the shepherd did. He didn't just camp out with the 99 and hope that the last one would come back. He left the 99 and he went. And he went and got that sheep. That's action word. That's growing. The lady, she didn't just hold her hand out and hope that the coin would hop into it. She lit that lamp, she swept the house, and she sought diligently until she found it. There's action involved here. Why, Why did they do that? I mean, there's two reasons. One, because the value is so high. It matters that much to Jesus. That life matters a lot to Jesus. He puts a very high value on his lost children. And two, because time is of the essence. No one is promised tomorrow. I'm not, you're not. I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. I know that if tomorrow comes and my life is taken away, I'm okay. I can't say the same thing for my neighbor. And that has to break our heart. Because it breaks Christ's heart. And if we can get to that point where it breaks our heart, and we start seeing them with a high value, then it's easy to go get them. That part's easy. If if you're pumping gas, right, and you're at the gas station, and you put your wallet or your purse up on top of the gas deal, and you're pumping, and you get home and you realize, oh my, I forgot my wallet. I forgot my purse. Is there anyone in this room that would just, Pour yourself a cup of coffee. Go to bed that night. Wake up in the morning and go, I think I'm going to head down there now. Anyone! Unless it was not your purse to begin with. Yeah. No one would do that. Why? Because the value is too high and time is of the essence. It's just too valuable. You'd be, you'd be driving to that gas station breaking more laws than Billy the Kid. Like I have got to get this back right now. That's Christ's heartbeat. That's his heartbeat for children who are far from him. And if we're Christians, if we're living our life how Jesus is asking us to, that has to be our heartbeat too. You know, that's, that's, that's on an individual level. As a church, Jerusalem, we're trying to do what we can so that people in this community of Elk River know that this isn't just a church that has walls up where we come and worship and go home and show up next Sunday we're trying to be a good neighbor because Christ calls us to that he tells us you gotta love your neighbor, care for them, show them that and so that's where Lake Lake Orono Estates has come in, we just want to love them Anything special about them? No, they're just on Pastor Paul's heart. But they're our neighbor. They're in our community. We've got to start somewhere. We're going to be doing some flower planting over there with them, too. I think there's a sign up sheet, Kirsten, out in the lobby today. If you're interested in doing that, just going to plant some flowers. And why? I don't know, because we love them. They're our neighbor. We're called to that. I'm going to close. But you each have a coin. Pastor Paul pointed that out earlier. Can you hold that up? If you, if you don't have a coin, actually, let's do it this way. If you didn't get one, put your hand up. Please. We're going to hand some of these out to you. I want everybody to have it. What I want you to do this week, maybe in the few weeks to come, take this coin and tape it somewhere where you're going to see it. Tape it to the snooze button on your alarm clock, most of you. I know that. I know that. Hold them up high so they can get them to you. Put this coin in a place where you can see it, because this week I just want it to be a reminder to you that lost people matter to Christ. And when you see it, I want us to think about who this coin represents. Who does this coin represent for me in my life? My wife and I took the kids to see a a movie a couple weeks ago, Um, Saw 8, I think it was. I'm just kidding. Look, half of you were like, this guy. It was Saw 10. I think it was 10. No, it was a movie called Tomorrowland. Uh, And it was a pretty cool movie if you like sci-fi and things like that. But the reason why we thought it was really good is because the whole movie was about hope. If you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing. It's about hope. See, even Hollywood knows that that's what every human being is after even hollywood knows that hope world can offer you that but they can't give it to you politicians can promise hope but they cannot deliver that only christ can deliver hope and you're a hope bearer we are hope bearers are we not Do you not hold the key to everyone's question regarding hope? You have the gospel. Is there any better news than that? Kids, young students in here, you can share the gospel, you can share your faith at school with your peers, with your students, your friends. You can share it with your teachers. How do you do do that? Live your life in a way, conduct yourself in a way that shows love, that shows that you love your classmates, that you care about them, go out of your way to do things nice for them, help them when they need it, help your teacher when they need it. And when they ask you, why are you so good, why are you so kind, they've just opened the door for you. They say, because Jesus is good to me, so I'm going to be good to others. In your workplace, yes, you can share the gospel in your workplace. I work for a Jewish company for 20 years. And I've shared my faith with I don't know how many people. How? Because I try and be kind to the guy in the cubicle next to me. I'll send a random email just saying, I think you're having a bad day today. I just want to let you know I'm buying lunch for you. Something so that when. Everything breaks down for them, and they come to you and they say, My day's horrible, but you've been such an encouragement. What do you have for me? You can say this Jesus Christ loves you. You can share the gospel at these places. You take that coin, think about who this represents for you. Who does it represent for you? But the answer can't be nobody. You don't have that exemption. I don't have that exemption. I told you, I'm a loophole looker. I haven't found it. You've been commissioned to go. Put a high value on those who don't know who Jesus is. Put a high value and a priority on them. Go share the good news with them. Right here in our Jerusalem. Right here in our Jerusalem, go get them. That—that's the message.
1: Pastor Paul, you wanted to come. Amen. Thank you, Tom. And Tom, do a great job today. Let's give a little hand. Good job. Good job. We began today by singing a song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And he's been ministering to us. You know, we worship the Lord, and we love God, and it's just so cool to to, to lift up our hearts and worship to him, and and he's been speaking to us, and, and he gives us a word like this, and it's a it's a good, convicting word. None of us are exempt, right? So you got your coin. And when he told me, when Tom told me about what he was going to do with the coin, I said, that's a great idea. Great idea. Because you can take this little coin home with you and you can, you can put it in your pocket. You can do something with it. But as, as I was thinking about this, I had, an, I had an idea for myself. This is for me. And if you want to try it out, you can too. But you know about the Paths of Gold, it's just a tool that we use to reach our Jerusalem member. You find someone, you pray, who is it, Lord, that, that you want me to begin to pray for because at some point, I'm going to share the gospel with that person I have. I have two people now that I'm working on. And it's, I almost need two books now. And uh, here's what I'm going to do, Tom. I'm going to I'm gonna glue. I'm gonna glue this coin right on my paths of gold, right in the in the part where it's the gold path. Because when I pick this up, because I'll pick it up and I'll begin to pray for the the people who I'm asking God. I want to share Christ with them, but I'm gonna pray that their heart would be open. And so, if you want to do that, if you want to get one of these paths of gold, you can pick one up out at the welcome desk, and if you have it at home. I want to encourage you, go find it. It's like, you're saying, where did I put that? Go find it, use it again. It'll back up what uh, Tom had shared. So I'm going to put it on there, Tom, right now. If it works, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I got my glue here. I said, Deanna, I got to have some glue. She said, what are you doing? It's like, well, it's an idea that I have. I hope it works. I'm putting it right on there. The coin... It's going to remind me of what? When I pray for this person, that they have what? Tremendous value. I'm going to remember this, path, this, this message. Often. Often. It's a word that we need to receive. Not just hear a good message. If you've heard just a good message, then you've missed it. The message is about action who has tremendous value that needs to hear Christ. Lord, so we receive the word today in which it was given. Prayed through. Cried over. Anointed by your spirit. Jerusalem. Put Jerusalem on our hearts in a greater way friends, relatives, associates, neighbors, strangers. May we see how valuable they are. Holy Spirit, bring names to the hearts and minds of your people. Just pray that prayer right now with your heads bowed with your eyes closed ask the lord who is it lord he'll share that word with you i believe that we believe that just say lord by your spirit i will i will be obedient By your spirit, Lord, I will be obedient. May this coin remind me of my pledge to be obedient to you. We get to do it. No loopholes. We get to do it. Burn that in our hearts this week. In Jesus' name.